0: And we are continuing our series called The Domino Effect. The domino effect that God set in motion in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And just as one domino knocks over another, which knocks over another, which knocks over another, the gospel has been impacting one life after another, after another, after another for 2,000 years. And just as our faith is a result of this domino effect, our faithfulness to our Lord Jesus Christ has a domino effect. We are looking at stories in the Bible that show the impact of our faithfulness and how that faithfulness can impact the world and change the course of history. In this series, we've seen how one act of Adam brought a curse and yet how one act of Jesus restored what went wrong. We've seen how Joshua's obedience to God's word had the domino effect of leading the Israelites into the promised land. We've seen how Ananias, following the leading of the spirit, led to Paul's inclusion in the church. And last week, uh, Pastor Devin showed how the raising of Lazarus had a domino effect of building up the community of faith. When we are faithful, there is this domino effect that happens. And the evil one doesn't want us to think that we can make a difference. And most of us, we underestimate the impact of our faithfulness. In this series, we want to stress that our faithfulness can be felt for generations. Our scripture for this morning is John 1, verses 35 to 42. I invite you to turn there in your Bibles. The Gospel of John is the fourth book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can also look it up on your phones if you would like. But faith, it doesn't begin and end with us. We received faith from someone, and we pass our faith on to someone. And this is a passage of how one person introduces another to Jesus, who in turn introduces another And to this day, we experience the domino effect of these early introductions. Our scripture reader for this morning is Iris Hawkins. And so, Iris, I'm going to invite you up to the podium as she goes on up. I'm going to invite those of you who are able, please stand and face the center of the room. Um, We read from the center of the room is because scripture is um, our primary lens for our faith. It is central to our faith. And we stand because we believe this is the word God. Of God. And so, Iris, whenever you're ready, please read from John chapter 1, verses 35 to 42.
1: The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter.
0: Iris, thank you very much. You may be seated. A few weeks ago, uh, Shannon and I were golfing down at Canyon Springs. Uh, We went later in the afternoon and we noticed that they, that Canyon Springs had hosted a junior uh, PGA event earlier that day. And there were still some kids um, who even though they were done golfing, uh, there were still some practicing like on the putting green, on the chipping green. And Shannon and I, we golfed uh, into the early evening and it was getting dark uh, when we had finished and I dropped Shannon off at the car with our clubs, and I was taking the cart back to the clubhouse, and um, I started talking with a teenager from our church who works down there, and I was just asking him about, you know, these kids and this uh, PGA Junior event that they had, and I just said, are these local kids? And he's like, no, um, they are from all over the Pacific Northwest uh, playing in this event. And so then I kind of commented how this was, seems like this is a pretty significant event. And he said, he said, yeah, it really is. And then he pointed to one of the adults and he said, well, you see that guy over there? He says, that's Tony Finau. He's helping out with the event. And I paused in disbelief because I'm like, Tony Finau, are you kidding me? And he, the teenager interpreted my pause as, well, do you even know who Tony Finau is? And I said, yes, I do. Now let me ask all of you, Raise your hand if you know who Tony Finau is, okay? There's quite a few of you, actually. Um, So Tony Finau is a professional PGA golfer. He is currently ranked in the world number 14. Out of all the golfers in the world, he is the 14th ranked golfer in the world. He plays on the PGA Tour, and this past summer in July he won back-to-back PGA tournaments. um, And in his career, he has finished in the top five in every major tournament. Um, This past spring, my son graduated from the University of Utah, um, and Tony Finau is a University of Utah alum. So we have extra reasons to follow him other than just my obsession with sports in general. Um, Now, the course at this point, is pretty empty. Again, it's, it's dark, it's evening, there really isn't anyone else down there. Um, and there is Tony Fino, the 14th-ranked golfer in the world, University of Utah alum, and he's walking towards his car in the parking lot of Canyon Springs. If you've ever been down to Canyon Springs, you know that's not a big parking lot. And there is only, he's walking to his car, there is only one other car in the Canyon Springs parking lot It's my car, and my wife is sitting in the car with a University of Utah shirt on. Now, I've got a lot of possibilities here. I could just say, hi, Tony, you know, kind of play it cool. Um, Or I could be a little obnoxious and yell, go Utes! Or I could ask him to autograph my wife's shirt. I've got a lot of possibilities. Um, And you know what I did? Nothing, yes, some of you up front, you know me. You know that I did nothing, okay? I'm a big chicken, all right? So all I did is I walked past the 14th-ranked golfer in the world, didn't say a thing, got into my car, started driving away, told my wife, hey, that's Tony Finau, explained to my wife who Tony Finau was, and then once I explained that he was a University of Utah alum, she's like, I'm wearing this shirt, implying we should have at least yelled, go Utes or something. It was just a missed opportunity. It was a great opportunity missed opportunity. I could have met Tony Fino that day. Instead, I walked right by him, mainly out of fear of being, you know, one of those people that famous people try to avoid, that kind of thing. But I titled my message, Who Did You Meet Today? Because this is a passage about making the most of an opportunity to meet someone, or in this case, making the most of an opportunity to meet Jesus. And in this passage, we see the domino effect working. The domino effect in this passage, it leads to an introduction. Going back to verse 35, where it says, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. John the Baptist is standing with two of his disciples. You know, and the fact that they were disciples of John the Baptist meant they already had this real interest in faith. And Jesus walks by and John points out that this is the Lamb of God. And so the two disciples then follow Jesus. And he asks, what are you looking for? And eventually invites them to come with him. And after spending the day with Jesus, Andrew at once goes and finds his brother Simon to tell him about Jesus. It's a domino effect that leads to a bunch of introductions from John the Baptist to the two disciples to Andrew to Peter. Now, Andrew could literally follow Jesus and meet him. And he could literally take his brother Simon to Jesus. Well, that's not true for us. So, what would it look like to take someone to Jesus now? What would that look like for us? to make that introduction? Well, let me answer that by just asking you, who was a key person in bringing you to faith in Jesus? What did they do? Because whatever they did, well, that's probably a good thing for us to do or for you to do. But whatever they did, I bet it involved an invitation. So the first thing to ask maybe is, well, who could you invite? And what is it you could invite them to as just part of a process of bringing someone to Jesus? You don't know the domino effect you could have. Uh, Carol Wolf, who was a member here for many years, uh, her memorial, memorial service was this last Friday. And at the service, there was a time when people shared some reflections and memories about Carol. And one of her neighbors shared how Carol, many years ago, invited her to a women's Bible study called Bible Study Fellowship, BSF. Many of you are familiar with it. And the neighbor agreed to Carol's invitation. And um, Carol and her were driving in the car to their first uh, BSF meeting. And Carol told her in the car, you know, I was kind of afraid to ask you because it's really outside my comfort zone to invite people to Bible studies. And her neighbor went on to share that she was at the time new to the faith and BSF was exactly what she needed. And that was 20 years ago. And the neighbor went on to share that she has two daughters and her daughters live in Texas now. And both of her daughters are a part of a BSF Bible study group. And she has two granddaughters. And both of her granddaughters are a part of a BSF group. And the neighbor said, it all began with that invitation from Carol. Carol had no idea that when she worked up the courage to invite her neighbor to a Bible study that she would make an impact on three generations. Carol passed away. Her memorial service was Friday. And the domino effect of her faith goes on. Who could you invite and what could you invite them to as a part of the process of bringing them to Jesus? And for those of you who don't have faith in Jesus, or at least not yet, let me just share one passage with you. Romans 10 chapter, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Declaring with your mouth and believing in your heart is the beginning of faith in Jesus. Jesus. Meeting Jesus always involves an invitation. And so I'm gonna invite you to come talk to me after the service to talk about what taking this step of faith as described in Romans 10, what that might look like for you. I will hang out here up front like I always do after the service and I'm inviting you to come chat with me about that after the service. The domino effect leads to an introduction and the domino effect leads to an institution. Going back to verse 42 of the passage. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. This passage gives an account of Jesus meeting Simon Peter. And Simon Peter is one of the twelve disciples. Now, interestingly enough, the Gospels do not give details of how Jesus met each of the twelve. It does give details about how Jesus met Simon Peter. That's not true with all 12. The reason it gives details about how Jesus originally met Simon Peter is because Peter becomes the key leader in the early church. There's another time that Jesus will call Simon Peter. And we can read about it in Matthew 16 where it says, What about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter is going to be a key player in the church. And you'll notice what Jesus says about his church. I will build my church. And I just want to point out, That Jesus, in his earthly ministry, did not seem all that interested in preaching to the whole world. In fact, Jesus never traveled more than like 150, 200 miles from where he was born. And so, Jesus personally taking his message out to the whole world was not his primary purpose in his earthly ministry. Because if getting out his message to the whole world was his primary purpose in his earthly ministry, well, then he would have had his earthly ministry happen during a time of television, podcasts, social media. But he didn't do that. He came at a time when you actually had time for relationships. And he spent three years of his earthly ministry with his disciples, doing life with them every day, Teaching them, training them, encouraging them, preparing them. He was building his church. Now the church is an institution. And institutions are not very popular today. Especially religious institutions. But let's go back to the original meaning of an institution. What's an institution? Well, it's fundamentally a community founded for a purpose. An institution is a community with a purpose. Well, that's what Jesus was building. It was his primary focus. A community with the purpose of making disciples of all nations, of spreading the good news, the gospel to the whole world. Now, Jesus was very strategic as to what his medium would be for spreading his message. Now, a medium is simply the means or method by which a message is communicated. For example, the medium you are all experiencing right now is I am literally speaking to you out loud. I'm literally preaching. That is the medium. And Jesus, well, he didn't want to use the medium of things like television or podcasts or social media to spread his message. All perfectly fine and good ways of doing so, and many people do. But Jesus wanted the world to receive the gospel through the medium of the church, the community that he was building for a purpose. That's how Jesus wanted people to experience and hear about the gospel. It's through the church. And the word used in Matthew for the church is ecclesia. That's the Greek word used there. And ecclesia literally means a gathering of those who've been called out or a gathering of those who've been summoned. You get an invitation to a birthday party. You go to the party. There are other people there that you're going to assume were also invited. Those, everyone at that party, who's been invited, that is an ecclesia. You were you are called out to the party, and you gathered. The domino effect led to an ecclesia, a gathering of those who were called called to be the ones through whom our world would experience the gospel. We have been called out. And we are an institution in the good sense, a community founded for a purpose. We are the medium for others to hear and experience the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins, that Jesus rose from the dead. That is meant to be heard through us. That's what Jesus wanted to have happen from the beginning. And we are called out by Jesus to be both an institution and an incarnation of Jesus. When God the Son became human, it is called the incarnation. The Son literally was here in bodily form. Jesus Christ had a body. In Jesus' day, in Jerusalem, was the center of the Jewish faith, the temple, The Jews would have three festivals every year in Jerusalem because that's where the temple was. It was the center of their faith. Now, the temple in Jesus' day, it was actually the second temple because the first temple was destroyed by the Babylonians about 500 years before that. And eventually a second temple is built. And Jesus once said something strange about the temple. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Now, as many of you know, Jesus wasn't talking about the Jerusalem temple. Jesus was talking about his body. See, the Jerusalem temple was where you could find a special manifestation of God's presence. And Jesus was claiming that he was a special manifestation of God's presence, that the body of Christ was, was a special manifestation of the presence of God. The Apostle Paul would go on to tell the early church in various letters that he wrote. He would say to the church things like, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Basically, he was saying to the called out community, you are where the Holy Spirit dwells. And he would also write in 1 Corinthians, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. There was a special manifestation of God that lived in the temple and then God became flesh and dwelt among us in the body of Jesus. And now God's special manifestation dwells in the community of faith among the called out ones who gather for the purpose of being the body of Christ. Now that should both inspire us and scare us. If people are going to meet Jesus, they are going to meet Jesus through us, the church. If people are going to meet Jesus, they are going to meet Jesus through us, the church. That should inspire us and scare us. We are the body of Christ And each of us is a part of it. Which means when people encounter us, we are the medium that Jesus built for meeting him. Francis of Assisi is credited with saying, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Now I believe he was overstating a point to make a point. And the point is, people should experience Jesus through us before they hear about Jesus from us. Earlier, I shared how Carol Wolf invited her neighbor to BSF. And what you have to know about Carol is Carol was a super sweet lady. (laughs) Her neighbors loved her. She was very winsome and sincere. And so when she invited her neighbor to a Bible study, the neighbor had already experienced some of the winsomeness of Jesus through her. So the invitation was much easier to say yes to. Of course, we have to use words in order to spread the gospel. But how much of Jesus do people experience through you before they ever know that you are a follower of Jesus? People should experience Jesus through us before they hear about Jesus from us. But they still have to hear about Jesus from us. There still needs to be an invitation. As a part of the Domino Effect series, um, we've been giving out dominoes to everyone. And we've been asking you to put it someplace where you will see it. And allow it to be a visible reminder of the impact you can make with even the simplest step of faithfulness. And if you don't have one, go to the information booth. You can pick one up. Um, But the domino challenge for this week is about helping others meet Jesus and being the body of Christ. So the domino challenge is insert a comment about faith in a conversation with someone who is not a follower of Jesus. This is a little easier for me because really all I have to do to insert a comment about faith is tell people what I do for a living. I'm a pastor, so now everyone knows something about my faith. For you, you may have to get a little more creative. You may have to mention in passing or intentionally about how you were in church this last Sunday or a Bible study you attend or uh, people you've been praying for. Somehow, some way, mention something that lets people know that you are a person of faith. And if you really want to take a step of faith and do something scary, invite somebody to something faith-related. Who knows? Maybe your simple comment or invitation will impact generations. And your domino effect, the domino effect of your faithfulness Will outlive you. Please pray with me. And Lord, we thank you for the people you brought into our lives, the people that responded, that when you called them out and um, were instrumental in each of us meeting you. And Lord, I would ask that you would give us the same courage to be the body of Christ, that people would both experience Jesus through us and hear about him from us. And it's in the name of our Lord and Savior we pray. Amen. And receive God's blessing. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.